On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> He's almost getting good at it. DBL is in the house, everybody. Welcome. It's DBL time. Uh, wow. A lot has been happening in the in the week since we saw you last. All kinds of crap is breaking loose everywhere. Kevin, my my partner, my co-host, Kevin Burke, my lead guitarist. Hello. You uh you had a show premiere last week. A yeah, new show yeah. You're well, I have a new show that's on the air. Um yeah, Transformers Bot Bots. It's on Netflix. Um Check it out. You know, if you don't watch uh, cartoons, your kids will love it. And chances are we have some listeners who've got kids that are absolutely going to love it. But it's the kind of thing that kids and family are going to love. So I hope hope everyone's checking out. I hope you've been watching it nonstop since since it dropped. And just, yeah, yeah, Kevin, we, it, we have been. Let it run. We have been. Just let it run. I, Leave I, the room. Once again, everybody. Leave the room. Case, let it run. In case you've never heard this before, this is Dad Band Land, the podcast about all things we love about music from the perspective of a neighborhood cover band that is defunct at the moment, but there's, well, there's or news funked. on the horizon, or Kevin. It's there. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'd like to re-funked? say we might be it could refunked. Be refunked. We could it's gonna refunk like a, a re phoenix from the re ashes. It's gonna be amazing what we do. Yeah, there is good news in that Kevin and I are getting this together despite the dysfunction of other members. Some will yeah. be with us, some won't, but we will have a band again really soon. Um, Absolutely. Kevin, what are we going to be talking about tonight? What are we playing? Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about the classic Credence Clearwater revival song, Bad Moon Rising. Oh, uh, we are scraping the bottom of the barrel. All right, <laughs> now let's uh, let's move on. The segment after that is uh, the one that was mm. dubbed a couple of weeks ago, Jeffy's Jukebox. Jeffy's Jeffy Brandon. Uh, Jeffy's hey. Jukebox. Hey, our Jeffy. chief technology officer. Uh, what's What are we going to be talking about on Jeffy's Jukebox tonight? <laughs> Tonight, we're going to be talking about our favorite debut albums. Ooh, this is yes. exciting. Yes, big debuts. It's important. Big and, debuts. And now let's continue our circuit around the horn. We've got band manager extraordinaire, the man who owns all the vinyl, our chief vinyl officer from his house of wax. It's Brian Frank. Brian, welcome. Hello, Brian Frank. Thank you. And what's the album that you're bringing? What's the platter that matters this week? Well, speaking of uh, debut albums, uh, Jack White's Blunderbuss, which is his solo debut album. Ah, thematic. Yeah, yeah it's, that's, it's that's interesting way to right tie there. it into the theme. Yeah. I got to say, uh, we'll, we'll get to that later, but wow. I loved that album when it came back, and this is one of those weeks. You know how we live with an album for a week? 
uh, for mm-hmm. Brian's House mm-hmm. of Wax. I'm sorry this week is over. Uh, interesting. Uh, I am not done with Blunderbuss yet, but we'll get to that soon. Right yeah, now, we're going to get to... But what's first? What's first is is you and me playing stuff. It's the playing it segment that nobody has really named well yet. No, no, no. Brian clearly named it. It was definitely called... Fuck, what was it called? Breakdown. <laughs> Breakdown. <laughs> the Breakdown. Breakdown. I knew that. It's a Tom Petty hit. Go yeah. ahead, guys. Give it to me. Yes, the All Breakdown. Right. So, Kevin... Well, our band yeah. never gigged with this song, but you and I played it in a living room, and you played it at my birthday party with me. Um, oh, and, and that's not the only place I've played it in my life, actually. I have a bit of a story of this song. We're talking about Creedence Clearwater Revival. We're talking about Bad Moon Rising. Right, absolutely. And I'm hearing some background noise, but I should point out, if you're hearing crickets, it's not because we're bombing. It's because Kevin is still in my backyard. <laughs> There are more, every week, more and more animals seem to be getting closer and closer to me. Well, spring so has come to maybe, Los Angeles. Maybe we're, not, <laughs> yes. maybe we're not bombing. Maybe we never stopped bombing. Oh, you know what? I should point something about that out, because we've been talking about our listener for the last few weeks, and it's because listener. we, we yes. banked a bunch of episodes before we launched, and we've been doing this self-deprecating thing. In the last week or so, I've been getting fan mail suggestions on email Same. at Same. from everybody on our social medias it's amazing we actually have been great. fans now so let's not pretend that we don't because it's we awesome. still love that one fan we had when we didn't have any other we fans that fans. loyal fan was great fan was awesome but now yes, we sir. have fans now we have fans, fans and it's even more awesome brian frank what do you want to say so yeah we don't have to deprecate ourselves we have other people to do it for us <laughs> exactly. and they have been. a whole crew of people out there to do it keep yes. that deprecation coming and if you need an email address it's dadbandland at gmail.com okay so kevin um we play and kyle says he's listened to every episode oh, oh thanks that's, kyle that's, that's very really sweet of you kyle, kyle our engineer has definitely less, impr- every episode. less impressive from the guy who actually edits it um I'm all right <laughs> kevin uh, let's talk yes. about bad moon rising because yeah here's something that i find interesting is that credence clearwater revival john fogarty's band when i was a kid that was one of the big bands that the older generation would talk about. Sure. They'd talk about they, the Who, they'd talk about the Rolling Stones. For me, it was like a Clear- K-Tel commercial band. It was a band yes. that you would, they'd sell records on TV and it would be Creedence Clearwater Revival. I'd be like, that is an old person's band. And here's the thing I want to say. The other old person <laughs> bands are still around and it seems like somehow over the last 15, 20 years, Creedence Clearwater Revival's star has faded. They are no longer in that oh, pantheon of old guy bands. I like actually, ha- I've seen the opposite. We're having opposite experiences. I've okay. Seen, I've, I have a feeling that they've, they've had a little bit of a rise of fandom, I think because they have less, I mean, Brian, maybe Brian has seen what I'm seeing. They have less sort of, obviously not at the Beatles or Stones level, but almost um, because they're in a lot of films, they're in a lot of things like that. Like they, they seem to have transcended, for me, at least what I'm seeing. Um, they've got a lot of younger fans, more than I would have expected. They, they burned really brightly for a brief period of time. They were absolutely huge for a few years. They truly were. And then as you're saying, Adam, they kind of faded. But I, I've seen what, uh, what Kevin has been seeing that more recently, I'd say within the last 10 years, they're getting more and more renowned. There, there have been more reissues. Their performance at Woodstock was uh, finally released. And actually, I'd All say right. more younger people right. are paying I'm, attention. I, 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 I'm going to allow that. I'm not sure that I'm seeing it. Um, And I don't know that just because every time some 
Gen Z hack wants to have a scene that takes place during the <laughs> Vietnam War. They play Fortunate Son. I don't yeah. know if that really well, means or, a resurgence. Gen Z hack or Francis Ford Coppola or everyone. Exactly. Made a film like, about like I don't it, need yes. I ain't no Senator's son, but I don't need that. But Kevin, let's us talk about playing Bad Moon Rising, which is a uh, a three chord ditty that is totally. undeniable. Well, here's why here's I gotta tell a story about this before we even get to our band doing it. This is me. This is years ago. I was working on a film up in Northern California. We were shooting on a farm, and there was this farmhouse. And this guy comes out of the farmhouse, not related to our production, but we were shooting somewhere on his farm. And he's and he sees me, and he's like, hey, I got a bass in there. And so I go into his farmhouse, and there is a bass guitar, a guitar, a mic stand, and he's, and he's got his amp hooked up, and he's like, hey, you want to play? I'm like, sure. He goes... Bad Moon Rising. And so I immediately started playing Bad Moon Rising with this guy and had an almost out-of-body experience. I'm like, this is a strange farmer in Northern California that I'm performing Bad Moon. This has become the universal language. He was probably in his 50s. You know, I was like 23. And I was, and yet we could, we all knew this song and he was singing it. He was going how, for it. Yeah, how, and, strange, uh, how strange is that though? Because if I were in my mind uh, a few a decade or so ago going to come up with the archetypal guy who could play Bad Moon Rising, it would be a fifty-year-old <laughs> farmer, farmer in Northern California. <laughs> it's a farmer. No, no, there's a large chance I imagined this that I knocked myself unconscious and I created the most ideal performance of it. Because yeah, I went back and that farmhouse was empty and there was no one was living there. It was so strange. Right. The next day, right. it, no, it's but, a hop but it's, it's a hop and country song. The chord progression, yeah. if you're if you're keeping score out there, it's DAG, right? Isn't it just DAG, yeah. DAG, 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 DAG? Absolutely, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, you go to four chords, you're starting to get in dangerous territory when you're doing cover songs. So that's that's a perfect element of it. Everyone okay, so what it. are you doing on Bad Moon Rising when you're playing? Because I feel like you're having less fun than me. Oh, oh, really? I'm just playing honestly blues. It's just Paul muted like Dumbo Fenton, Fenton, boom. It's just one of those sorts of things. So it's not. And then there is that little rake in the middle of it during different verses. Where it's bad. I mean, it's going. You got clink. You have to actually mute all the strings and rake down. Do you know the part I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. So I'm. Nice. I'm actually having. <laughs> I'm actually having a lot of fun with that because the pressure is pretty low. You know, it's more of a vocal song. I don't think the pressure's high on anybody except the singer. I think you're exactly right. Yeah, and I think that's part of the fun with it. You know, it's, it's a loose, slow it's country cool. beat. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get what, to do all this honky. I'm just yeah. doing honky tonk piano shit. Because what else do you have? Yeah, I, like there's there's plenty of room. Everybody else is playing on the lower registers. I'm just um, you know doing little trills with my D's and A's and G's, and it's fine. Everybody loves it. I think there's certain. It's songs a hoedown. Like, there's songs like that that every every. You know, parent band should have in their arsenal because you can always pull it out. Someone's going to know it. Your grandmother might be excited to hear it. <laughs> Something like that <laughs> would be great. Um, imaginary you know, again, weird old farmers love imaginary hearing it. Imaginary weird old farm farm men. Um, it it always, <laughs> it, you know, it's another one that always works. You know, um, we could do it right now. You, it's the kind of thing where you could say, let's just play it. And Jeffy could pick up an instrument and play it right now. And we'd yeah. all be able to jam along with it. So I have one additional theory about it, though, is that yeah. one of the reasons why it doesn't work the way, you know, a few weeks ago we talked about playing Blitzkrieg Bop, and that always works. Sure, sure. The reason to me that that somebody playing Bad Moon Rising or any other one of those nearly identical Creedence Clearwater Revival songs <laughs> anything that doesn't was on always, Freedom Rock. Yes. Yeah, the, everything on Freedom Rock. The reason that those songs don't always work is because <laughs> John Fogarty's voice is actually kind of remarkably awesome oh agreed i think i think fogarty is why it's, it's had very a resurgence. absolutely and it's very hard to you know it's hard for you know your 
neighborhood cover band lead singer to to do it that well. They have to encourage the audience to sing sing along because otherwise, yeah. not John Fogarty is the sign that everybody's going to see over your head when you're trying to sing. Maybe that. that's one of the reasons he got sued later on for plagiarizing his own music because exactly. his vocal quality was so associated with that. With now, there's a long saga. Yes. Now, kids out there, you don't know, but there was a long legal saga involving John Fogarty not having the rights to his own uh, music. And then there was this uh, uh, record executive named Saul Zanz that was, that was in charge of John Fogarty's music that was pushing the lawsuit. Eventually, John Fogarty immortalized him on an album with a song about a pig who can't play music called Vans. It was a song called Vans Can't Dance. And it was it was just a it was ugly and nobody gives a shit about it anymore. But at no, the time exactly. it was like very I, important. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pitch my Pam and Tommy like series about this story, but it's just gonna be Pam and Tommy with nothing interesting happening in yeah, it. It's just yeah, going no to be sex. A bunch of no sex. A bunch of legal nope. ease, a bunch, bunch of, of you know, uh, courtroom a, scenes. A bunch of courtroom, yeah. not even scenes. It could just be a bunch of like opening documents and reading them. Dep- depositions. Things. Depositions. Yeah. It's like Pam and Dep- Tommy, but with fat Zoe dudes and then uh, no sex. <laughs> And, very and, few 80 drugs, for, and 85% of the scenes are deposition prep. <laughs> exactly. No, barely any crime. Oh, my God. You know what's a crime? What? Not buying stuff from our sponsors. Oh, Listen to yes. this, everybody. <laughs> DVL will be right back. Oh, smooth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> DBL is back, everybody. <laughs> Oh, who, who was that? Who, hi, kids. DBL's back. That's right. Who was better than ever? I can't believe it. If you love the sounds of today, yesterday, and the day beyond, <laughs> then you'll love DBL. Is that Freedom Rock, man? Turn, <laughs> Turn it, up. it up. No, that's DBL Turn it rock, down, man. man. <laughs> It is, this is This is already derailed. We have just come back. We're like yeah. eight seconds into the second thing. We have already. Does it count? It is a derailment if you never got on the rail. Not on the track to begin with. Yes. I think our fans will agree that one of the things that makes us awesome is how old and irrelevant we are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lack of rails. Lack of rails. Voices. All right. Now you need me on that rail. Now it's time to go to speaking of Jeffy and the rails. (laughs) Now it's time to go to a segment that we now call, and I only know this because I was editing. Uh, a show from like four weeks ago the other day, and I, I realized that we had named this segment we really well. We named it and then forgot about it. And then it. forgot about it, but it's kind a great like name. We're, yeah, we're we'll very good at that. We'll it now fact, because it's Jeffy's a, yeah. Jukebox. That's right. It's, it's Jeffy's Jukebox. It's kind of our naming things and not remembering what we named them. Right. Sort of and Brian's, Brian's resentfully muttering kind because, of Because like of Brian's jukebox. house of, of vinyl. Kind of like breakdown, yeah. All right, I'll come up with a nice sting for it. Jeffy, what are we talking about on Jeffy's Jukebox tonight? We are talking about debut albums. Yes, and what I challenge you guys to do, uh, Kyle says he's going to work on the theme. Excellent. Because yeah. if there's anything close to uh, Brian's House of Wax, it's going to be awesome, Kyle. All right, Mine so- has got to be way more upbeat, though. It's got to be, like, cheerful and rainbows and puppy dogs. Like carousel Jukebox. music. Exactly, yeah, like calliope. Music. Like a calliope. Yeah. Yeah. Like a calliope. Let's not interfere with Kyle's genius. Jeffy, <laughs> so we're doing debut we're albums, him. We're and because it's music. Jeffy's jukebox, I want to hear what I what I challenged you guys to do is to do debut albums that are really debut albums. Like these people came out of nowhere, dropped an album, and we were all like, "Oh my god, that's really fucking good." So, Jeffy, what's your first debut album? Lauren Hill, the Miseducation oh, of Lauren Hill. That is great. 
Does that? Um, uh, well, 1998. However, yeah, one of my favorite however, albums. But does that meet the criteria? Does I don't it? know. Because but she spent you, a good yeah, amount of time I mean, with the Fugees, didn't she? Exactly. I guess she didn't come out of nowhere. <laughs> no, she came out of a successful band. But it was her <laughs> <Yeah>. solo debut. <laughs> it was. Solo and, debut. And an outstanding right. solo debut, no doubt. All right. Yes, I, got, she, I got a couple more. I, lo- I love that one, though. What's your favorite song off that amazing seminal album? And her only really great one. Yo, my men and my women, don't forget about the day. This is not the most the king. Yo, it's about a thing. It's that thing. Oh boy, that is that is something crazy. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, Jeffy, let's get get another one. Um, we have Massive Attack, Blue Lines. I've never heard that album. Okay, nineteen ninety one. It's going back a ways. Uh, some consider it the first, uh, very first trip hop album. Oh. Um, but you'd be uh, safe from harm. You've heard, yes. Uh, unfinished sympathy. You've heard, probably. Be thankful for what you've got. Okay, um, those are fantastic songs. All right, Kyle, drop in a little bit of Massive Attack, will you? Yeah, I think you could pick any of those. He's already picked it. I, I like that one. We might come back to you, Jeffy. I want to get it, let everybody get a get a word in here, Brian. All right, what you got for your debut album? You know, probably way too many. I'll, <laughs> I'll try to. T- I'll try to. I'm, talk I'm giving about you two right cool. now. Yeah. Okay. Pick, pick two. Two right now. Yeah. Uh, television. Marquee Moon. Ooh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Uh, it's on my perfect albums list. Um, oh, it is. Oh yes. Absolutely. I think every song on this is a gem and uh, they took their time and did it right. And I'll give you, I've got a few from 1977. Another one I'll I'll give you from 1977 is uh, Wire's Pink Flag. Uh, All three of those words. No idea what you're talking about. Yes. Which I understand each of the words you said. Exactly. Where does the band name start and when does the album name start? Yes. So. Let, let, yeah, let, let's go from you there, really. Words. I mean, because yes. I got to be honest with you, Brian, this. now that you've said that, I'm thinking that yeah. this is a band that came out of nowhere and stayed and there. And went nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Into Brian's brain. So, first of all, we said in in the preview section, we were talking about great debut albums. Right. right? Sure, okay. sure. So, I didn't, we didn't say they had to be hugely commercially successful. True. Great right. It's within the parameters. Is there, is there a cut He's on right. that album that you're really so, thinking of? The, so the name, the, the name of the band is Wire, okay. and the name <clears throat> of the album is Pink Flag. Okay. And Would you like to hear a yeah. little bit off of Pink Flag by Wire? I think this might be Wire's best album. Let's hear a little bit of it. That's... <laughs> 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 This is definitely the best wire music I've heard, no doubt. 
Kyle, drop it for us, man. Kevin Burke. Yeah, yes. So my I've guitarist. Got, yeah. The auteur so, behind yeah. Bot Bots. What do you yeah. got? <laughs> so here's uh. here, I, I took your your parameters a, a step further where I was trying to find debut albums that are not only great debut albums of bands or you know performers that can't seem to come out of nowhere, but that also yeah. remained arguably their greatest album, right? That well, I think both Jeffy talked. and Brian have done that with yeah. um Lauren Hill and Wire. Well, and that's why I was going to frame it because I, like, for instance, I, I think the Beatles debut album is is a great debut, but it's probably it's arguably the worst Beatles album. So there are certain okay, bands that fair. hit, and so the two two I'll drop. I have four. The two I'll drop here is Big Star number one record. I think is a great is Big a Star great debut on my list. Oh, uh, look at list, that because that that's a Perfect band that album too comes out of nowhere and just seems like wait is this band been are these have these well i mean some of them have been around i suppose individually but this yes. band you want to name band, who was around individually um what's his name uh uh why am i blanking on his name the other singer from from send me a letter what's the guy's name why am i blanking out on his name right now um, Chris Bell or Alex Chilton? Alex, Alex Chilton. Chilton. Alex Chilton sang, you know, uh, send me a letter or whatever that song was called years earlier. I Children can't by the Million songs. love Alex Chilton. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, <laughs> yes. that was never true. That was Children by the Dozen. Uh, it's that true. from the replacements. Yeah. So, um, so Big Star Number One Record is just as a band, sort of comes out of nowhere. You know, Alex Chilton right. was in it, but but it wasn't like we'll, his his giant fan base came to that. No, you we'll, know? we'll we'll definitely take that. That was a good one. What else? And my next one is uh is the Cars debut. I think the first Cars oh. album. Every song yep. is perfect That's on the first one. Cars album, and uh, and again comes out fully formed. You know, I mean, it's it's not like there's yeah. three or four Cars albums where you're like, oh, they're getting their their vibe. They made their best album as their very first album. Whoa, I, I don't know if that's their best, but it is a great album. Oh my Arguably, god, I love that album. Their best, yeah. All right, I'm, I'm, I love I'm, it. I'm gonna drop two on you right now, and I was also trying to think of in terms of like, you know, just shocking the world with how awesome you are out of nowhere. And if I had to name one artist that came in like a bat out of hell, oh, it would be that one. I, 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 I'm surprised that I got to do that one first before you guys, because Meatloaf was, wasn't anything. Um, you know what? I, I, I mean, I guess realize... he was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show before right. the release of Bad Out of Hell, but he had recorded nothing. He pairs up with Jim Steinman and drops an album that is epochal and, and inarguably the best thing he ever did. I, I didn't know it was his first album, to be honest. I was not, a, yeah. I mean, I've not followed Meatloaf's career before or since, so I assumed that there were some sort of Meatloaf art, you know, some sort of doo-wop album he did in the, in the late 60s or something, but no, I guess there that's was, it. There was no ramp up. It was wow. It was zero to bad out of hell, and uh, that, that, so. <laughs> and then straight to his baroque period. Yes, <laughs> yes, and then, then it was yes, Lord Meatloaf, Lord Loaf. Um, and then uh, there's I have a bunch of others here, but I I want to name some. I'm my challenge myself to name people that we haven't really um, named here. Um, oh, and I've got so many on the list. I'm gonna go with Alabama Shakes. Huh. That oh, album yeah. is recent wow. and it's fucking yeah. great. And yep. uh, I guess they've had a second album which I don't enjoy as much since. And and uh, like everybody worries that Britney's a little uh, 
self-destructive and she might turn out to be, but that first Alabama Shakes album, which I think is from 2015, I'm going to say, maybe 2014, that that album crushes. Oh, uh, Kyle says it's 2012. But uh, no, Kyle says it's the year 12 that it came out. The year 12? The year yeah, 12. the year 12. G- Jesus was about to go through puberty <laughs> and Britney dropped out of the Yeah, it's, it's a much older album than you recognize. From that time. Oh, yeah. 12 BC. You know what? Just so we can hear it, Kyle, <laughs> oh, drop OPC, a little bit of uh, Hold On from that. Bless my. Yeah, All that's right. pretty well, great. Can I, yeah, and the floor is open again. Let's if, if anybody wants to add I was just going to jump in with something a little bit more recent. Uh, 2007, fairly recent. Uh, bon Ive for Emma forever ago. Wow. I, I see Brian looking confused. Does this confuse you, Brian? Bon Ive? No, no. I, I was going to say, though, for... You were going to call him Bon Iver. No, Boney Bear. Uh, I would uh, go with self-titled. I I don't know that for Emma is is the, the debut. great is is the great work of. But his. it's a great debut, right? That it's a great debut. Come on, it's what? in yeah, Kyle's house of wax. Just about, say yeah, debut, okay. Frank. Just, got, is it a is it a great but, debut? It, it is, but we've, we've ah, changed yeah. the rules Stop. now. A, the okay. parameters have shifted. But now Adam's talking about shocking the world with the thing. Okay, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, that shocked me. That shocked that album. Yeah, shocked straight, out of Com- gonna, straight out of Compton. I did, the only reason I didn't bring Straight Out of yeah. Compton in here is because, yeah. like De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising, we've talked about it a bunch on the show. But the, And by the way, hip-hop artists seem to be great at the shocking the world with their first album. Kind yeah. Of and those two really yeah. stand out, De La Soul and, and N.W.A. What else? You you have another one on your list there, Brian. Biggie and Nas. A Biggie and Nas, sure. Biggie and Nas. Sure. Um, How about um, another? I'm trying to do different ones. Uh, As you said, uh, Gang of Four Entertainment. I'm not that familiar. I'm familiar with it in theory, not practice. Me too. You know what? I gotta get into. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw throw down, Kevin. Throw down. Yeah. Oh, with new ones. Oh, for mine, mine, mine are yeah. Because we're almost done mine, with this segment, yeah, so you yeah, got to get totally, your shit in. Yeah, mine are totally obvious. Out. Mine are now obvious. The obvious ones left, but the ones that changed my life and and to me changed the world. And that is first Van Halen album, Can't uh, Be Beat. There's every song is great. Arguably the best one. Yeah, you could have just said Van Halen. Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> oh, I can yes. And Appetite for Destruction. Uh, oh, yes. we, we couldn't, wait, 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 The guns. No, wait, Brian. Wait. Ryan, is appetite for discussion the appetite destruction for destruction? The does it count? Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, there wasn't why would it an not EP? count? No. Was there an EP? No. There was a self-released EP prior yes. locally in Los Angeles. Yeah, but it was, uh, but it was also sort count. of a. It doesn't count. Right, as we sort also of a, said album. We also yeah. said debut album. And we album did not, long not debut LP. EP. Uh, that's I'm a whole put different in, category. In that group, though, Black Sabbath's debut also. Yeah, I agreed. It was on my list. All right, I'm going to drop in a couple. Some of them, yep. these you might have thought of. Some of you haven't. Obviously, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Obviously. Their first album. First, I mean, one. Obvi- first one was great. There was another band before that, but that that counts. Um, Elvis Costello, My Aim is True, is a devastatingly great album. That had two or three bona fide hits on it. Elvis Costello had never been heard of before. 
And by the time that album sunk and into was the never heard from it, <laughs> we never heard from again. Um, I also want to shout out. We talked about him before. Living Color with Vivid. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. absolutely. Yes. And here's one. And it, this is a little personal for me because when I was a freshman in college, she was a senior in college playing all over the campus at, at Tufts University in the late 80s. And uh, somebody else who was the son of a record executive who's now a TV writer, discovered her, said, Dad, you got to you gotta sign this woman. It was Tracy Chapman and her first album. Oh, wow. Hit oh, yeah. like a bomb, wow. and it was the best thing she I think it is the best thing she ever did. It she is the best. A, a valid album. artist beyond that, obviously, but that first Tracy Chapman album with songs that she had been writing since she was 12 years old, I believe For My Lover, believe it or not, was written when she was a preteen. Oh, wow. I just was listening to Fast Car the other day, and I was like, this is really good. Yeah, it's a really well, good song. You, you know what? I, and of that same ilk, I had this on my list, and I, and I pulled it because I didn't know if anyone remembered it, but it was Introducing the Hardline by Terrence Trent Darby around the same, oh, yeah. the same yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, what a great it. album. And that is that's, so still good. His, that's still his top. You know, He came out of nowhere, took over yeah. the world for about a year, disappeared. Yeah, I think well, his ego, I believe, about, was okay. big enough to. Um, was well, I, I bought his records through the late '90s, but I was the only one. I was his fan. No, I did too. I bought a, I bought a couple after that. One. Yes, same. I, I, <laughs> I think the interesting thing, though, about this topic is there's there's like two different paths, right? The first album is you've been a band. These are the songs you've been working on for years. Your whole you career. Get your yeah. chance to like make your statement. That's right. And then. There are other artists who grow into their careers and right. grow into their sound, and usually it's like the third record is really their first. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely, yeah, and so I think that's I think that's a, a way that the business worked more so, where they would they would sign you and give you an ability to find yourself. Because I think Aerosmith's not great till the third record. I think most great Metallica's not great till the third record. I mean, they're great early records, but they could have easily and, dropped yeah, off. And yet, yeah, they have a great debut album. Too. Uh, they they do and Aerosmith Metallica. does too, but you really it's the third record where you find out what the band is like, and we're talking about yeah, records that's, where that's the one you need to buy. Record, from the first record, you know exactly yeah. what this band is like. Yeah, and when we're doing the segment called Best Third Album, <laughs> exactly. that'll be a good that'll one, be incredibly relevant, <laughs> and, and we'll talk about doing that after you guys go out and buy these things. Oh, we will. Oh, it's DBO. <laughs> DBL is back, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I hope that you're buying all of those products right now. We'll wait while you complete your order. Hold, yes. please. Waiting. Yes. In my, in oh, my, my God. DBL, we have fans. We're still having fun. We have crickets out back because Kevin is still in my backyard. Yep. Um, Kevin, I can see my in-laws' new apartment in my garage behind you. Their lights are still on, so they're still up tonight. They're staring at me this whole time. It's kind of creeping <laughs> me out. <laughs> is, that, is this normal for them? Because I've kind of weirded out by this. But whatever. I'll get used to it. You'll get used to it. Here we go. Um, it's time to plunge into, and I can't wait for this one. It's time for Brian's House of Wax. Kyle, that is badass. If Jeffy's Jukebox theme song is anywhere in the neighborhood of that, we are just going to be the most theme song. It just makes me want to do this. I know. And I wish our listeners could see you doing that. Exactly. Whatever he was doing, you should have seen it. Yeah, you you, want to see it. it. Brian, I'm going to frame this a little bit in that 
for the first time, I thought of a Brian's House of Wax record. We were going to do a record. I'm not going to call it moldy, but it was an oldie from the 70s, I think. No, and it 92. Hit me. All right, 92. Still, yeah. long ago. And it hit me uh, while choosing that record that there was another record that was enjoying a uh, an anniversary, a 10th anniversary. And I quickly texted you and said, Brian, do you own this on vinyl? And not only do I own it, and I know Adam loves the uh, visual representations. Show it to us, man. I'll take it. But I do have to show you guys. I have the limited edition inverted lightning bolt variant. Of the vinyl itself. Jack White's blunderbuss. Jack White's blunderbuss, which was released on April 23rd, 2012. So that makes it 10 years old. And when it was released on vinyl, there was a black version. There was this inverted lightning bolt vinyl. Uh, For those of you listening, it's a light blue with a black stripe through the middle. And then there was a version that you could only get on tour, which was the lightning bolt version, which is black with a blue stripe through the middle, which I do not have and is very valuable. Now, were these pressed by Jack White's third man label down in Nashville? Yes. And well, actually, they're pressed at URP, United Record Pressing in Nashville, because it was prior to him having his own press. But it was released on his label, Third Man Records, recorded at his studio, Third Man Studios. But interestingly, he released it in conjunction with Columbia Records because he felt like he would be doing a disservice to it if he released it just on his own independently and he wanted the power of a major label. And the legend is he chose Columbia Records because they were the first ones to uh, introduce the LP record. Wow. That's, yeah. a, that's a nice piece of trivia. Which All right, talk, cool. talk about this so, album itself. I, I, yes, I just want to yeah. hear everything you got for me on this. I will give my facts, and then I'm sure we're going to have a lively discussion. So um, as we mentioned at the opening, this is uh, Jack's debut solo album. The White Stripes had gone on hiatus in 2007 and then officially split up in 2011, and this came out in 2012. Um, As I mentioned, he recorded at his own studio in Nashville. He produced it himself, and he recorded on tape. And most of these tracks were actually done using only eight tracks, the limitation of eight tracks. Some made it up to, yeah, and some made it up to 14 tracks, but that's it. So this is not your typical 2012, you know, 84 different tracks of all kinds of sounds. He kept it old school like he does. Um, And he played guitar, piano, and bass. I'm sorry, he played guitar and piano. He played bass on one song, Hypocritical Kiss. He played drums. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, it's amazing. That's a good he song. He played drums on I Guess I Should Go to Sleep. I love that and song. And then there were 18 other musicians on this album. And the reason why is he recorded alternately with an all-male band and an all-female band. And then he toured with both bands alternating, right? He toured with both bands alternating and appeared on Saturday Night Live. And you do two songs on SNL and one song he did with the all-male band and one song he did with the all-female band. Um, I think he thought it might sound different. You know, he was trying different styles. Apparently, he recorded a lot of different stuff, a lot of different takes on the songs. You know, much like Bob Dylan does. He'll go into the studio and record way different versions of each song. I intend to bring Dylan into this conversation in a little while, but yes. Yes. Um, And... You know, what was what was really incredible about this release is it was 
a huge success, bigger than the White Stripes ever were. It was his first ever number one debut uh, in America. Um, And it was actually the best-selling vinyl record of the year that year in 2012. Um, And it also debuted at number one in Canada, England, Switzerland, and Belgium. Um, Number two in Australia, Austria, Ireland, New Zealand, and Norway. And number three in Denmark and Germany. Um, But not only did people buy it, critics actually loved it. And it was nominated for the Grammys for Album of the Year and Best Rock Album. And uh, Freedom at 21, which I really want to hear your, your take on that song, I was nominated for Best Rock Song, and I'm Shaken was nominated for Best Rock Performance and Best <laughs> Music Video. I'm Shaken yeah. is unbelievable. I want to I go on and on about this. I won't. I'm going to limit myself. But I think to provide more context, because this is only 10 years old, we've got so many resources here because we have Jeffy, who I think had never heard this album, and we have, we have Kevin, who had just, he, he had a four-year-old and a two-year-old or a three-year-old and a one-year-old in the house, and thus he listened to a lot but doesn't remember it. So I'd like to hear both of your takes on this album, because now, here it is, 2022, you're reconsidering it or considering it for the first time. Uh, Kevin first. Uh, okay, I have to say, I, did, I listened to this a lot when it came out. You know, I love the White Stripes, I love the Raconteurs, loved... Um, a dead weather like I, I love jack white i think that he's and i bought this when it came out and listened to it every day and then when we went back to do this i was i was like i can't i can't remember a single song off of this when i look at these titles <laughs> like i don't i don't remember so any what any of these names. but this is this is why i asked you about because this is the dad in dad band land well okay there's two things going on here one i think that is true because there are definitely albums that came out when my kids were very young and i I did not have the emotional space to to connect with them. Do you know? I mean, like, there's some. I remember. I remember yeah. Beck, Beck Modern, Modern Guilt was out, and I won, and I loved it, and I couldn't remember it. You know what I mean? And, and there's a lot of great. Oh, music that was like out. 2008 or something, right? Yeah, something like that. I forget when I got it, but it was, and that's when I you had to buy CDs. Do you know what I mean? Or buy buy yeah. it on iTunes. And so I bought all these things, and and I knew they went in my brain. And I played them constantly, and then I just had no emotional connection. There's we talked about earlier. Them Crooked Vultures is one of those records. You know that yeah. was great. But I have no connection. However, so hearing this now, yeah, hearing this now, I I realize there's another component as to why I don't remember it very well, and and it is that I don't think it's all that great. I think it <laughs> is. I think it is generally. Here it comes. Uh, I think it's generally. I love Jack White. I think this is generally a fine album. I have nothing bad to say about this album, but I don't think there's a single song on this record that holds up there with his classic, with Seven Nation Army, with. Blue Orchid with Steady As She Goes. I don't think there's a there's a, there's a good record, and I don't think he's ever made a bad record. But I don't think this is top tier. When I'm putting together a collection of songs of Jack White, I'm not picking a single song you don't off put this album. A song from this album on? I don't. Not, not the, the closest I would come to, and I'm trying to make sure I got the uh, names correct. The, the song that cut through to me on this on this re-listen of this record was. Uh, was love if love interruption was the one that really worked for me. That's oh, the one that that's... held up, and that was it. That was, I mean, they're fine. Nothing mm-hmm. really. I mean, I, I give it like a B plus. I give it a three right. stars, and most of his stuff I give it like a four star. To be honest. Well, that's and interesting. This, no, I feel I, like I, I'm, I'm like gonna th- I'm gonna thank you for that, and I'm gonna tell you um, number one. I think that there are better songs by Jack White on many of his albums. I think this is his best album. Interesting. 
hands down, of any album he's ever done. Um, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Jeffy Branion, having never heard yeah, this before. I, I, I'm not sure like what the popular songs are. And so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say the ones that really stuck out for me. Sure. The title track I think is beautiful. Um, Absolutely. I'm shaken, obviously, and I think that like the middle the middle section is what really grabbed me. So like, hypocritical kiss again is like, oof, brutal. But blunderbuss was really what. Um, Grabbed me. Blunderbuss is an amazing song. It's not my favorite song on the album by a long shot, but what it does is kind of, it's kind it's of got nuts. my attention. Yeah, and in fact, I want to point out one. You know, I'm such a lyrics guy, and I always, I always refrain from really talking about lyrics on this on this show because we could just recite them all day long. But on Blunderbuss, he, you know, he's a compulsive rhymer. He loves rhyming. He's like Dylan in that mm -hmm. way. And we'll get to Dylan in a second, but. There's one line on Blunderbuss, there's one couplet where he doesn't rhyme. He intentionally doesn't rhyme, and it's these two lines. Such a trick, pretending not to be doing what you want to. Followed by, but seems like everybody does this every waking moment. Such a trick, pretending not to be doing what you want to. But seems like everybody does this every waking moment. I felt indicted by that. That's absolutely right. Everybody pretends that they're not doing exactly what they want to while they're doing what they want to. And there's so much pain on this album, but that is one of the best expressions of it. I'm sorry, go on, Jeffy. I think you had more to say. No, I didn't have much more. It was really, um, I was just surprised at how um, kind of sweet it was and kind of how, like, sad yeah, so sad, um, which is what actually what I wanted to say about it, which is this. Music critics love to give an, a good artist this. They say, well, this is his blood on the tracks. That's the measuring stick, right? Blood, Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks, 1974 or 5. Uh, he comes out with this album that is a complete emotional evisceration of himself. He doesn't himself know that it is, but he's, he's re basically reporting on how shitty his life has been for six years. Um, and a lot of albums have been credited as somebody's blood on the tracks. Beck's Sea Change is one that almost every reviewer name-checked blood on the tracks. Although the reason why I feel like uh, Blunderbuss is more of a blood on the tracks and Beck's Sea Change is less of is because Beck's Sea Change is beautiful and it's a drag. What I love about Blunderbuss and Blood on the Tracks is that these people are bleeding constantly during this album, their albums, and it's completely fucking entertaining the Still whole way through. Still having some fun? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, and the parallel to that is this is Jack White's divorce album. Yeah. But when Although if you ask him, divorced, he denies it. Right? It's his <laughs> yeah. divorce album. But, but let's remember, when he got divorced, he and his then became ex-wife through a divorce party. Right. Yeah. They had a party. There was an invitation. I remember seeing this. So, right. So think about that. Doesn't that encapsulate exactly what you're talking about, which is he is in a lot of pain, but wow. he's also, you know, expressing it in an interesting way. And I think, Jeffy, that plays into what you're saying, too, that it is 
hard but sweet at the same time. Hard to listen to, challenging, but it is sweet and emotional. Well, and I would say, adding to that, because one of the things when I got it and even listen to it now was such a strange person to, to declare to having a solo album, right? Because he's yeah. such a driving force between for all his other things. It's like when Billy Corgan had a solo album. It sort of was like, what? Yeah. what's the <laughs> What were you doing before? What are you going to do by yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I do think lyrically... That, to me, is the difference between this and a lot of his other stuff, is that he was going some places that were, that I think were more expressive. He's such an odd guy to me, though, that he's he's always somewhat performative, so you're never sure what you're getting and what the truth is, you know? And I don't think he's sure. He yeah. thought this album was about death. Yeah, and, and he's always, like, I don't <laughs> never, I never know if he's, I never even know if he's ever being genuine or if it's a constant bit, you know, or it's a constant lie, you know, that's his whole, his whole shtick, oh, and, oh. Um, and this album came the closest, I felt, to actually being a human but maybe that wasn't what he was doing you know but i think lyrically he goes there i think musically like i said musically there's nothing that totally cuts through the way that i think his other records do when we were talking about that movie it might get loud that's what struck me so much about watching that film it really made me dislike jack white because i couldn't tell if it, if it was all such a shtick and hearing the edge talk emotionally about building his first guitar by him with his right. brother right from scratch and watching and Jimmy Page yeah. talking about you know inventing this stuff and then Jack this White is such this- a Rorschach text because I saw it might get loud which by the way everybody really Great fun film. movie it's 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 the edge Jimmy Page and Jack White all talking with each other about their guitar history that movie made me like Jack White more and the edge less I, I'm with Brian wow. on this one. I I, <laughs> I like I loved all three of them and I do love all three of them. And um it made me find Jack White more interesting, but I also felt like Jack White was putting on a, a show the whole time. And yes. whereas and Jimmy Page and Jimmy Page, for instance, he was at one point Jimmy Page is just listening to his favorite records as a kid and just sort of bobbing his head. And it's the most genuine I've ever seen. That's a great moment. Page, I love Jimmy right? Page yeah. and I loved yeah. I love seeing him in this. I just want to put out a couple of other data points here, which which adds to the riddle of Jack White. He does not think this album is about his breakup from Meg White. Um, it obviously is, but then again, Bob Dylan on Blood on the Tracks doesn't think that album is about his personal well, life, and his son, his son it, says it absolutely is, and it, his it wife clearly wasn't is. Jack, his wife wasn't Meg White on this record, right? The divorce was his other wife. Correct. Yes. Correct. His second yes. wife. Or, or if this, Meg was this, his wife or sister or whatever it was. Let, let me clarify. This album tells. is more yeah. than anything else about his breakup from, from Meg White. Another interesting data point about this and, and the dissolution of the White Stripes, and this is going to surprise you guys if you haven't read about it, is that Jack White felt like a mere passenger and second-class citizen in the band The White Stripes. I know that sounds weird because he sang every song and wrote every song, yeah. but... In his telling he of his... He was playing his, second fiddle to whom? To Meg. In his telling of it, Meg was a tyrant. Her desires were the things that became law. There was no arguing with her. He, the, In Jack's telling of the history of that band, she was <coughs> the ruling force and he was merely a passenger on it. And if you look at Blunderbuss through that context, it kind of helps you understand how bitter he is. I, I suppose and, that that's true. It that's, seems hard to believe, to be perfectly honest. It but, does, uh, but it is what he says. Yeah. Well, it's true, and and that's you know when you're talking about Kevin, him making a solo album, and what does that actually mean if he was the leader of the White Stripes? He was actually quoted as saying it, he enjoyed working on this record 
and it was easier because they were hired musicians and not a band. He could just tell these people what to do, and they had to listen to him. Yeah, and, and they that, all sounded like him yeah. and Meg. No, and that is absolutely <laughs> no. Then that's absolutely the truth. Like he, he could make something that was, <clears throat> but I think it comes from a lyrical place. I think I think when he's playing with other musicians that are bringing something other musically to him, he rises even to a higher level, which I think is uh, is how you get the rock on tours, both those records, you know, and how you get the white stripes. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I want to point out two other quick things. Um, in terms of thematic openings for an album, and, and album openers are, are are worth talking about. Like, what's the best? What's the track that establishes the identity of a record best? Um, the first track on B- Blunderbuss, which is called uh, what is it called? Pieces Missing of me. Pieces. Missing pieces. Um, he's literally falling apart in that song. Pieces of him are coming away, and they're being taken by an unnamed woman. And that is entirely the theme of the entire album. There's like he looks down, his arms are gone. She's taken his legs are gone. She's taken pieces of him. And but, that 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 carries through for the whole record. Yeah, it's interesting, Adam, that you know, you perceive it as the breakup of the band of the white stripes as opposed to the breakup of his marriage with Karen Elson, who sang back up on this. Record. Yeah, I, I think Karen yeah. was secondary in his thoughts on this album. Um, Interesting. Although in the in a year or two after too. this album, it was a giant clusterfuck with Karen. If you if you follow the whole Jack White Chronicles, in a, in a couple of years after this, their relationship grew acrimonious, just like his and Meg's breakup. So there's a lot of valences happening there. Is all is all I can say. <laughs> I also want to point out there's a lot of waltz time. There's a lot of three four and six eight on this album. There is, and it's kind of interesting. But his vacillation between hard, heavy, white stripes-like grooves and his obsession with country and blues and his Oh, my God, steel ob- guitar. Yes, and his complete obliviousness to what his own songs are about. I just think there's a million reasons <laughs> really to charming. love, love I this think, album. <laughs> you know what? Now that I think about it, I think it was the steel guitar and blunderbuss that drew me in. Is it? Mm. I love I, a steel guitar. Uh, we should talk about that. It. A national, right? The big, <laughs> the big yeah. shining thing that's on the cover Absolutely. of Brothers in Arms. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an amazing sound. Uh, any last words on this one? I feel well, like I've I, evangelized a, you guys yeah. into the ground on this one. I, I, love this well, album I, I so do have much. a question. I mean, there's like I said, I I like this album. I think it's very good. It's it's not high on my list of of his work, but. How many solo albums are after this? Like, how many did he make that are just two, two more? He made two more. Yeah, because I lost. He track made uh, Lazaretto and uh, more recently one that I really disliked. Oh, okay. Which I haven't which heard. Which was uh, like the the nose on the door or something. I don't even know what it's called. The nose um, on the boarding door. Boarding House that, Ranch. That's an XTC album, Reach. right? Boarding House Reach. Yeah. Yeah. The um, nose on the door. Interesting. There's a new album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so there's a new is, album. There's two albums. Out April eighth. Yeah, there's two albums coming out this year. April eighth uh, is one, and there's another one. There's a there's basically a folk album and a rock album coming out this year. And the the rock tra- the two rock tracks that he's released, one of them features Q-Tip. It's just fucking great. Go Heidi download Ho. that Heidi, Heidi Ho, which is the 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 it's Q-Tip and him and um. I gotta hear it. <laughs> you know, uh, Kyle. Kyle, drop some of this shit in because he credits as yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he credits as auth- as writers of this song himself and Q-Tip and uh, what's his name, the band leader, the yeah, Heidi Ho from, band leader from Fear of the Dawn. Yeah. Here's Heidi, Heidi Ho. Ho. 
bit of fandom we might have to edit that whole section out but good we God. might who knows no oh knows. my lord that makes me so happy q-tip and jack white and cab calloway uh and name checking joel Embiid, and and it sounded like uh mariah carey mariah carey sure <laughs> and todd barry i think my friend todd barry got a shout out there sounded like it anyway you know who's also getting a shout out right now our sponsors nice we, we love them on dbl <laughs> And we're back. Check our Patreon page for all the great outtakes. We were just talking about self-eviscerating albums, and boy, that was uninteresting. Here we are, though. We're back, and (laughs) 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 it's time for one of my favorite segments that we invented. Many podcasts around the country are doing it now because it's so fun. All of them are doing it. And a lot of you guys are are sending in ones, and next week we're going to do exclusively yours. Yeah, I got, I, got a, I got a bunch that this week. That lets me yeah. off the hook. I like that. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get off the hook next week. <laughs> this week, <laughs> we're on the hook. You should write a letter to us, Jeffy, and that way no one will know that it's your guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's, that's twice as much work. <laughs> we're on the hook now for guilty pleasures. Jeffy Branion, I want you to start. What's your guilty pleasure this week? This is a song All that right, you probably so... think you shouldn't like, but you love it. <laughs> I love it, and I'm... Okay. And I'm uh, I, the kind of, sh- I, I feel a particular kind of shame, uh, but this song is from 1999, and and I feel like, I feel like I can't really introduce it. it it's sort of self-explanatory. Here we Chief go. Chief Engineer Kyle, engage. What is love? It's so good. Let's hear it. Oh, my God. And who is that even? Hadaway. What? That's Hadaway. What? What is love? What is Hadaway? (laughs) Who knows? Hadaway, I had a way. One, one hit wonder. Yeah. Hadaway, 1999. I'll, you know, this song went on, obviously, to fuel some SNL sketches and then an eventual movie, right? Mm-hmm. But this, the power of the song is undeniable. Uh, it's, absolutely. It, it, it's it a primal you know force. I have to say, that too, at the time, 
hearing that song, I remember thinking like the, the world is ending. Like this, this is where things are headed. Like this is just how it's just gonna end like this. And now, twenty plus years later, and it can no longer hurt me. I'm like, that's really good. I'm really enjoying this. It this is a good thing. Hurt you it anymore. can't hurt me anymore. I've come and now around. it's a good song. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jeffy yeah. endorsed, rubber stamp your guilty pleasure. It is both guilty and a pleasure. Jeffy approved. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have oh. a stamp. I'll, I'll I'll upload it to you guys later. I was. I'm. <laughs> yeah, right. we're gonna Jeffy need that stamp. We, uh, by the way, Kyle, put it in your hopper after Jeffy's jukebox. We're gonna need a guilty pleasures theme song at some point. Yeah. Hey, uh, Brian Frank, what's your guilty pleasure? Right. So, um, I was thinking about debut albums, and uh, you know, looking through and thinking about. Uh, artists um, first starting. And um, I thought about this song from 40 years ago. And <laughs> I was like, was this actually a real song? Am I making this up? Do I, do I remember this accurately? I'm trying to know what this is. What and is I looked on the internet and I realized, nope, I did not make this up. This actually existed. Um, so this is the, the first, uh, single, I have a couple historical notes for it, but it's, um, it's called wham rap exclamation point parentheses. Enjoy what you do. Question mark. Close parentheses. Wham you know, rap. First of all, you, you lived in New York city at this time, right? This sounds like New York city shit to me yeah. is what this sounds like. This sounds no, like the kind of shit no. that you just, you bought on the street so, in New York. No, check this out. <laughs> Believe it or not. This song was originated by Andrew Ridgely. Oh. Because everyone's like, what did he do in Wham? Well, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) He came up with the chorus, Wham Bam, I Am the Man, uh, which they recorded this song as a demo. This is the song that got Wham their record deal. But we've never heard it? Oh, you've heard it. Then what happened was, uh, you got to see the video. And okay. yeah. Hey. Let's just can we just take a break and hear some yeah, of this song? Cuz this. this is like, fucked right up now, right here, please. Brian. Got some God, kind of go. fucking Ridgely apologist here on the show. What's the best line? Hey everybody, look at me. I've got street credibility. Can we agree that if you say street credibility, you don't have you it. You don't have it. Yeah. 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 So how do you get? Is that how you get it? Though? <laughs> um, I I do have to mention that the song was then um, featured in later years in uh, the film Perfect with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis right. and John Travolta. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And um, then what happened was, and so I was playing this earlier, you know, of as one does. And no. Laura, Laura, my wife was like, you know, this sounds kind of familiar to me. I'm going to divorce you. But no, no. <laughs> she, she said, this was the line me, but, that could not be crossed. But I, for some reason, it sounds no different further. in my head. Yeah, it's, it sounds different in my head. And I go, oh, that's because you're familiar with Wham Rap 86, which was the remix that came out in 1986, which, which samples this, the this, chorus. This is a wormhole I was not prepared to go down. 
Brian. This is I so am a, more like a wham hole. A wham I hole. Am throwing, <laughs> I, I, I am taking I out a much. t-shirt cannon right now. I know right too now. much. <laughs> I am taking out a t-shirt cannon right now, loading it with garlic and crucifixes and shooting it at you. <laughs> Where are the whippets? Yeah. <laughs> but, so, um, why? Oh, my God. Everyone, everyone who, who is listening to this, all of you, Watch this music video. Just watch this music I love, video. I love how this started as a thought that you thought might be a repressed memory that then opened up all of this. Your wife got I don't involved. Want any more of There's this. a remix. This is a mess. This is a real mess. We, we, we support each other on this segment, and that's as far as I'm going to go with this. Kevin, what do you have? Uh, okay, so... so. <laughs> that, that drained some stamina, I have oh to say. God. I feel like... Oh, I gotta go. Okay, Get so what, what I've got is what I've got is this, you know, like we we we're talking about kids, you know, you and I are are roughly uh, our kids are roughly the same age, you know, and and now as adults we're roughly the same age, but there's a, there's a bit of an age difference. That really it hurts matters. you to say that. I know that. I know, I know but that. it really matters. Yeah, I, it doesn't matter so much now, but it mattered a lot when you're like nine. And so so transformers our can't see your face, but exactly. If they could. So, so to me, the Transformers, beyond the fact that I have a new Transformers show on Netflix right now, the Transformers oh, was, a, was a very big part of my life as a kid, right? It was a very big, important thing. I'm not sure that it was for you. For maybe, I maybe feel Brian. like we're going to a dark place. Maybe Brian. I, I, I know this song. <laughs> you know where I'm oh going. Oh, my God. So in 1986, there was a, a Transformers movie that oh, had a... More than meets the eye. That had a theme song that should be cheesy, <gasps> and I should hate this song. But you know what? I don't hate this song. In fact, the song still Kyle, inspires drop me it. to this drop way. It drop I, it before I end this show forever. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason that you can't hate this oh. song. Oh, it's perfect. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. That, yeah. Undeniable. Undeniable. No, I didn't. That is right. The it. touch by Stan Bush still yeah. works in all time. It's one classic. of the greatest songs ever written. I agree. It is one of the greatest songs. And I was recently at a Transformers con, and Stan Bush was there, and I, I wanted to meet him so bad because my, oh my goal God. to be friends with Stan Bush is definitely a lifetime goal. I'm putting this out there into the world on this podcast. Friends with Stan Bush. Is a life goal. So if anyone knows, if you him, don't ask for it. Yeah, I'm gonna put it. You won't I'm ever gonna, get it. Yeah, I'm gonna make it's this happen. Worthy endeavor. That's yeah, exactly. Endeavor so thing. anyone knows Stan, I'm ready to be friends with him. A friendship's gonna start. We'll go to Starbucks. We'll just talk about stuff. Maybe just walk around the street. Whatever friends do now. I don't know what friends do yeah. as adults. How do you right, feel about Optimus Prime? He'll ask. Yeah, exactly. Stop talking. What? Stop talking, dude. Now. You gotta get. Yeah, you're denying you're it. You're I'm not sure you're a winner. No, I'm not, I'm sure not denying it. Takes. I'm endorsing it. I, I, I gotta feel like say Adam that. is like going all Decepticon on us. Yeah, right I think now. It's no, right. no, no. I'm not going Decepticon. I'm just saying I endorse it. I think this might be the iconic round of guilty pleasures because we all have a lot to be guilty for Uh, i'm going to take us the rest of the way there with a song that i'm guessing the three of you hate we've mentioned it once on this show before it's uh by a great singer songwriter but because it was so overplayed the year it came out 
Oh, no. A lot of people have decided oh, no. that this song might be the worst pop song ever. <gasps> I love it. Play it, Kyle. Oh, wait. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know. All right, I want to say, before you guys weigh in, I want to say a couple of things about this man, this band, and and where this comes from. In the early 90s, I became a huge fan of an of a relatively unknown indie band called Trip Shakespeare. And if any of you really want to get into a band that kind of like should be ranked up there among the like nine, early 90s progressive bands along the way that people revere, um, uh, what's the band I'm trying to, uh, Spilt Milk, Jellyfish. Like, uh, Trip Shakespeare belongs in that conversation. Mm. Trip Shakespeare broke up. Uh, the brothers Matt and Dan Wilson broke up. Dan Wilson formed a band called Semi-Sonic, and this song was huge for a while. Semi-Sonic broke up in the late 90s, I'm going to say, mm. and Dan Wilson has gone on to become a Grammy-winning um, songwriter who has written and produced for, like, uh, he's on a couple of Adele's albums. He's written some of her biggest hits. He's... Wow. A huge songwriter. This song, for some reason, became reviled because of how much it was played. I want to add one more thing before you guys weigh in, <laughs> is that this song was written... Remember how we talked a few weeks ago about how XTC's pink thing was about yep. a baby and a penis? This song is about a bar closing... This song is about a... Not Kirby. This song is about a bar closing and a baby being born. You can listen to it either way. He did that intentionally, and it fucking works both ways. Um, Closing I, time. I have to His say, his child is being expelled from the womb. I have to say that this song was one of those songs that, as, as soon as it came out, I, I mean, naturally it's everywhere, so naturally you hate it because you hear it four million times everywhere. But also, I was just angry that I, I hadn't come up with this song. Like, that no one had come up with a closing time song. Like, I had not my whole life thought someone should just write a song about that time when the bar lights turn on and everyone is just like, we got to get out of here. And everyone starts rejecting their choices. Like, there's never been that theme song until well, this song. Tom Waits wrote one and named an album after it. It was called Closing Time. Exactly, but nobody remembers that. Right. <laughs> well, I do, but yes. <laughs> but my point is, this was a massive hit that appealed to everybody. Tom Waits yeah. is, a, is, a, is a, and I love Tom Waits, but Tom Waits is a, a more of a select niche audience compared to, to Closing Time Fair. this song. Fair. Um, yeah, and, and so I just remember being mad. I just remember being that simultaneously annoyed and jealous. Where I was like, damn it. I should have written this song. I would be cashing in right now. I still love it. You've got the touch. N- nothing from Jeffy and Brian on here on our list of songs <laughs> that we talked about just because I threw it in. No, it's a great... Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. We have a, we have a comment from Kyle that I have to read. Can I give the crown of shame <laughs> for... Or wait, guilty wait. Is. is this a new? Is this a new aspect of it? Can he? Can he give a crown of shame every week? Yes, oh you God. can, Kyle. Please, Kyle. Did count. I win the crown of shame this week? Who's the crown of shame this week, Kyle? I want to give the. Is it a winner the crown or a of shame? It's a crown. Yeah, I don't know. That's what. That's what uh, everyone else is going to have to decide. <laughs> but I want to give either the crown of shame or my favorite hidden treasure for episodes to come. Uh, crown of shame this episode goes to Brian and Kevin. <laughs> oh, a dual crown. Wow. Dual crown. Unprecedented. Co- unprecedented. unprecedented. <laughs> Once again, unprecedented. 
No, yeah. it's amazing. Next That's... and next week, only one winner. I what I love about this. I love I love that Kyle was like, Can I give the crown of shame? Immediately setting us up for a whole concept of a singular crown and then immediately gave two crowns out. <laughs> Immediately broke precedent. Not even one time of doing it once. This one's that sums up too. everything I love about I this. Love All right, it. and I'm going to tell you guys that we're at the end of the episode. Here we are. <laughs> Go to our socials. Send your hours. questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland at gmail.com. Follow us on the socials. Dadbandland is produced by me and Jeffy Brandon. Cool sonic montage by Jeffy Brandon. <laughs> editing and, and sometimes by Kyle. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. Our sponsors are the best. You people are the best. Hit us up. DBL lives on, even past the guilty pleasures. DBL! 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 Thanks! Starburns Audio, a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.